All right. Well, if you're ready for the word, say amen, everyone. Even if you're watching by camera, say amen. You got to participate. And today I want to just, I don't know if I'll be so much preaching as, or teaching and whatever. We're going to be sharing the word. And I want to talk about the fear vaccination. We have a vaccination for fear. You don't have to succumb to it. It doesn't have to overtake you. And there is a vaccination for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't approved through the government. <laughs> but we got it. We've had it for a long time. You know, this is not the, not the first time that uh, our nation, the world, has gone through something like this. I was looking back at the, at the flu epidemic back in 1918, right after World War I. 500 million people got that. 50 million died. I think it was like 264,000 in America. Remember, the population was a lot smaller. So sometimes I, I see preachers getting on, they're saying, this is the book of Revelation, this is the end. No, this is the flu. It's not the end. It's not the book of Revelation. Um, it's, it's, you know, we've, we've had to adjust to it. We have to do what we have to do. And fears are real, and it's not just the fear of, of getting it. It's, it's the fear of losing your job. Uh, it's the fear of not having enough money to pay the bills. It's, it's the fear of, you know, what if my kids get it? Uh, uh, so it's the fear of not having enough toilet paper. It's a very real thing. People are hoarding it. You all got enough toilet paper to last you three years now. You're fine. You'll be fine. Amen. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, uh, fear of the future, and what's this going to look like, and how long is this going to last? And I guess there's a lot of reasons for fear. And uh, you know, I, um, I'm talking this way, but as a pastor, even even I can have fears. You know, how do you how do you adjust? You know, what's this what's this going to do to our congregation? How, how does this affect us? Uh, is the church going to be able to pay the bills? Right? Churches have bills. And, uh, and I know I feel for some of you because you've lost your jobs, you've had to reduce hours, and it affects you, it affects us. Um, you know, my family, all my kids and grandkids are 500 miles away. You, you wonder about that. You can't do a thing about it. But there is a vaccination for fear. So let me give you three things real quick. I'm not going to be real long. Of course, you hear that a lot, but I'm, I'm, I really am. I'm really not going to be long. Number one, don't give place to it. Don't give it a place. Don't give place to fear. It's kind of like Ephesians 4.27, right? It says, nor give place to the devil. Well, the devil's the author of fear. Fear doesn't come from God. So don't give place to it. Don't, don't allow it to even, you know, to, to, to get a hold of you. Ephesians uh, for it says, don't give the slanderous accuser, the devil, an opportunity to manipulate you. That's that same scripture in the Passion Translation. Don't give the slanderous accuser, that liar, he's a liar. A lot of fear is based on lies. We get things blown out of proportion to the point that we, we become fearful. The devil... He, he, he wants an opportunity to manipulate you. I like that translation. If you succumb to fear, that's how the devil manipulates you. Can I get an amen? 
I want you to look at Numbers chapter 14. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. You probably can't read the screen too well behind me. But in, in the book of Numbers, the children of Israel were becoming fearful of their situation. And they thought, you know, oh, the promised land. And what they got was the desert. Sometimes we don't receive what we think we're going to receive. Sometimes life doesn't go the way we think it should go, right? So the Scripture says in verse 3, Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? I don't know how many times I read that until I noticed a key little thing right at the end of that. Here's what they said. Would it not be better for us? Every time we start thinking about us before everybody else, you're giving fear an opportunity. Would it not be better for us? I've got a news flash. It's not always about you. Just say it like it is. As Christians, we're supposed to put everyone else first. As Christians, we're supposed to be servants of all. Come on, church. Somebody was messing me with me yesterday at the food bank. Yeah. They said, Pastor, you're, you're in charge here. And I said, actually, I'm not. Yeah, Michaela is. I, I'm not actually in charge. Like, no, no, you're the head honcho. You're in charge of this, so we want you to go get coffee. We, we ran out of coffee. I said, what are you doing to? Okay, okay, okay. I went to get coffee. I went. I, I went and got some coffee. And she said, well, if you're going to be the greatest among us, you have to serve us all. Oh, man. It, she, just, she just got me coming and going. But it's the truth. I think if we'll concentrate more on others, what can I do to others? Get on the phone, send some emails, mail a card. Maybe even get in your car and go. Let, let's, you know, if we'll put others before, see, that's what it means. Don't give place to the devil. Give others the place. Let's put them first, you know. Would it not have been better for us? Well, it's not about us. It's about everyone else. Paul said, I died daily. We're supposed to be on the cross with Jesus. Come on, it's, it's, not, about, it's not about us. Come on. Now, I want, you, I want you to think about what I'm about to say here. Remember this, we serve what we fear. Whatever we fear, that's what we serve. You can't go around that, can't get around that. So we have to remember that what the thing we should be fearing is the Lord. And that's not scary fear, it's rever reverential, it's being reverent <laughs> kind of fear. Amen. Doesn't matter. Where I am, I fumble my words sometimes. So uh, it's, it's honoring God. It's putting God first. That's what it means to, to fear. In Proverbs 29, 25, it says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. See? Not giving place to the devil. In Mark 5, 39, there's a story of the, of the, of the, of the teenage girl that died, Right? And Jesus comes into the home, and everyone's weeping and crying and carrying on, and that's normal. I'm not criticizing that. 
But here's what Jesus said, and it's really strange. Jesus said to all these people that are weeping and crying, why make this commotion and weep? Really, Jesus? She died. People are going to cry. The child is not dead but sleeping. Now, then the Bible says they laughed at him. Isn't it funny how they go from crying to laughing real fast? Here, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, so, I'm not so sure they were all sincere. But he says, in other words, why make this commotion and weep? The King James Version says, why make this ado? In other words, what Jesus was saying, you're making a big ado about nothing. Now, somebody dying is not a nothing. But Jesus saw the big picture. Jesus saw more than what they were seeing. And if we'll see more than, you know, just what's going on right now, then we won't give place to fear. We won't give place to the devil. But we'll see beyond that. Here's the thing. Here's the reason why they they didn't have to cry. They didn't have to cry because Jesus was in the house. If Jesus is in the house, we boot the devil out. Oh, I might preach yet. <laughs> we might preach yet. If, 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 oh, if, we can, if we can realize that Jesus is in the house, Jesus is in the situation we're in. We may be, we may be locked up at home, but Jesus is in home. Amen. We, we may not be able to do this or do that, but Jesus is in the house. If Jesus is in the house, we don't have to give place to the devil when we don't have to give place to fear. It may look bad. Listen. The reason why Jesus could say you're making much ado about nothing is because he saw more than they saw. And if we could start seeing more than the negative situation, if we could start seeing more than our fears are seeing, if we could if we could just get beyond what's right in front of our face and get the bigger picture, then maybe we'll realize some of us are making ado about nothing. Now listen, I don't I don't want to belittle it. You know, I know, you know, people have health situations and there's a lot going on. There there probably is a lot of reason to be fearful. These people had reason to cry, but Jesus said, "Don't make much ado about nothing." Wow. That that's it's it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. How many remember the story of the Shunammite woman? She lost her son. She goes to the prophet. The prophet says, how are you? Now, you know what all of us would say. You'd be crushed. But she says something very strange. She says, it is well with my soul. Really? I I doubt it. (laughs) I don't know if I believe her. In one sense, you know it's not. But in a bigger sense, it is. Because she figured if the prophet gave her the son, the prophet could raise the son. (laughs) If Jesus is in your life, then he knows what you're going through, and he'll get you through it. So look at the big picture, and don't give place to the devil. I'll give God a praise right there. Amen. Wow. 
That was point one. Point two, stir up what God has put in you. Stir up what God's put in you. There's something in you that if you stir up will get rid of the fear. There's something in you that if you stir it up, you'll get through this and you'll be all right. Can I get an amen? Do you understand what I'm saying? I love this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, 6 and 7. Look at it in your Bibles or on your phones, whatever you, wherever you're getting your scripture from. He says, Paul says, I'm writing to encourage you to fan into a flame and rekindle, rekindle the fire of the spiritual gift God imparted to you when I laid my hands upon you. Verse 7, for God, for God will never, say never with me, will never give you the spirit of fear. But the Holy Spirit who gives you power, love, and self-control. Oh, a lot of people are out of control. Toilet paper out of control. Come on now. By the way, I know some places that have some. If you see me after church, I'll help you out. Boy, it got quiet right there, didn't it? Listen, he says, stir up the gift that's in you, for God will never give you the spirit of fear. There's a connection between what God has put in you and the fear that's trying to overcome you. He said, stir up, because something is lying Something is lying dormant in you that if you address and speak to it and stir it up, it will come to life. And instead of fear having a place, instead of fear, you'll have power, you'll have love, and self-control. Wow. Wow. And all you got to, watch this, it's already in there. You don't, have to, you don't have to spend a lot of time, oh, God, put, no, no, no. It's already in you. Strength is in you. Love to overcome is in you. Self-control is in you. You don't have to be a nervous wreck. There's something in you already. Don't have to ask God for it. It's in you. Wow. Just stir it up. Stir it up. It's like, it's like fanning into a flame. And, and you know how to do that. When you've got just a few sparks, you breathe on it. May the Holy Spirit breathe on us. Amen. Because we're not supposed to breathe on each other. That's right. That's, I'm sorry. Holy Spirit, breathe on us. Breathe on yourself. Don't be breathing on anybody else. We'll be back. Amen? Wow. Stir it up. Stir it up. So I don't know if I got it or not. Look, at, I love the story of, uh, of, uh, from uh, Judges chapter 6. Let me read this a little bit to you right here. This is about Gideon. Now, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, not Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. The Midianites were coming across the border at harvest time and stealing everything away from people, so he's hiding it. 
Listen, you don't have to hide your blessing so the devil don't take it. Too, too many people are so worried about how to, how to use my gift and how to, you know, and so they hide it instead of use it. Remember the parables of the talent. You need to invest. You need to use what God has given you. Amen. Verse 12, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. <laughs> Gideon is not a mighty man of valor. But the angel, and we could say capital A, the angel of the Lord saw something in Gideon that Gideon didn't see in himself. I'm still on point two. There's something in you. It's in you, and it's going to get stirred up. Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? I wonder how many people are asking where the Lord is. And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. The Lord has forsaken us? There's an angel standing right in front of you, Gideon. Come on, wake up. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. The angel didn't come to give him strength. The angel came to stir up strength. Wow. Come on, big difference. Big difference. He says, this might of yours, and you shall, you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you, Farmer Gideon? So he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. I'm the littlest in my house, and my house is the littlest in the tribe, and the Manasseh is the littlest tribe. He's got a lot of little going on. But the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. I've got a word for somebody. You're going to beat this. You're going to overcome this. It's going to be okay. Have, we just need to stay calm, and we need to be compassionate. And we need to be courageous. Amen. And the Lord's going to help us. Here's the third point. Here's the third point. Worship and prayer will stop the plague. <laughs> Some of you know where I'm going. Worship and prayer will stop the plague. Numbers chapter 16, here's, here's an example of an actual plague that broke out. This is biblical proportions here, okay? We have not reached biblical proportions. You all know that, right? I'm not trying to minimize anything, but this is not revelation. So he says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Get away from among this congregation, even then they had to separate, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. So Moses said to Aaron, Take a censer. You all know what a censer is? All of you in TV land? It's what you put. You put a chunk of coal in there, a chunk of incense, and you put fire to it. And put fire in it from the altar. Put incense on it. 
and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them, for wrath has gone out from the Lord. The plague has begun. The plague has begun. <clears throat> let, me, let me address this for a minute. I know people are asking, is this from the Lord? I don't know. But the Lord is in everything. He's in control. Can I put it that way? And you know what it reminds me of? We have been so busy as a society, too busy to go to church, too busy, too busy to pray, too busy to do anything from the Lord, too busy to, to obey the fourth commandment, to honor the Sabbath. Wouldn't it be interesting if this is, not that God sent it, but isn't it interesting that God shut us all down? It's almost like if you're not going to take a Sabbath, I'm going to put one on you. Now, we're not in church, but we're all sitting at home, and we're not at work, and we're with our families, and we're praying a whole lot more. Hello. And we're here watching this on Facebook. It's kind of like the Lord put us on Sabbath. Interesting. It's almost like the Tower of Babel when they decided they're going to do things that their technology is better than God's and we're going to build us a tower. And what did God do? He scattered them. <laughs> I've been the pastor here 38 years and we have never been this scattered on a Sunday morning. You hear what I'm saying? He scattered us, confused, confounded. I don't know, but it's kind of interesting that maybe God's trying to get our attention. God's not into sending plagues necessarily, but he knows what to do with them. And I think he's trying to get our attention. He's trying to get our attention. The plague has begun. But what does he do? He says, take a censer. I was raised Catholic, so I know exactly what I used to do the censer as a little altar boy. I used to wave that thing at people. And you'd put a little little hunk of incense in the censer. You lift up the top part of it and you put that in there and you light and you put fire to it. And that would begin to burn and then the incense would come out of the holes on the top of it. And what happened was, Aaron, people were actually literally just dying. You know, back in, back in the Middle Ages and the bubonic plague, the Black Death, when you got that, you were, didn't kill everyone that got it, but it killed most who got it. And I think, if I remember right, within, within 72 hours, you were dead. Now, that's a plague. Half the population, no. Well, some say a half, but at least a third of the population of Europe died within a year. Can you imagine a third of America dying in a year? It really happened in 1350. It's bad. So he takes the censer, and people are literally just dying of the plague, just falling over. And, and it said Aaron took the censer, and he stood between those who had the plague and those who had not yet gotten it. The censer represents 
worship and prayer ascending. Look at the book of Revelation. He said the incense is the prayers of the saints. If you want to know what to do, step three, in the midst of all this, pray. Turn your worship music on. Make your house, make your house a church. Make your home a sanctuary. Fill it with praise. Fill it with worship. Come on. Lift that up like incense, and your praise. Worship team, come on back. We're going we're gonna to sing a song of blessing upon you in just a minute. Your praise, your worship could actually be what stands between the plague, the pandemic, and your health. Wow. Fear is not going to protect you. Fear is not going to help you. Don't give place to it. Stir up what's within you and begin to worship and pray and intercede. And the Lord will stop the plague. A couple of things you could do. Go home and read Psalms 91 every day. Read it every hour if you want to. Read Psalms 91. He said, the plague will not come nigh thee. Whew, glory to God. It says that a couple times in there. All kinds of promises in Psalms 91. It's the soldier's prayer. You ought to get it and read it. And here's something else you could do. They say that every time you wash your hands, you should wash your hands for 20 seconds. Well, I prayed the Lord's Prayer and I timed it out, and the Lord's Prayer takes exactly 20 seconds to pray. So every time you wash your hands, pray the Lord's Prayer. Whew. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Just wash your hands. Twenty, And when the prayer is over, you're done washing your hands. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, whew, you know our comings and our goings. You know where we live. There are people today who are worshiping in other countries before the pandemic because their lives were being threatened if they worshiped. And they're worshiping in caves. They're worshiping in people's homes in the middle of the night because if they're caught, they'll be put in prison. We've been the church has faced so much through the centuries. But the church is still standing. The gates of hell will not prevail. And we will not just survive, we will thrive. And God is sending people to the church. And God is saving. And God is doing great things in these days. In all that we're facing, God is in the midst. We believe you are in the midst. And where just two or three are gathered, you're already there. You're already there. You're here. You're in every home.
even those that are home alone, you're there with them because we're there with them in Jesus' name. So, Father, as we go through the week, bless us. Keep us safe. Keep the pandemic from every home. Help us to find new ways to connect. Help us to be calm. Help us to be compassionate. And help us to be courageous. Help us to be creative too, Lord. Creative in ways that we could be a blessing to somebody who's going through this. We shake off the fear in the name of Jesus. We shake off anxiety in the name of Jesus. We shake off worry in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Our praise will deal with the pain. Our worship will, will deal with the worry in the name of Jesus. It is gone. It is gone in Jesus' name. And we're trusting you for this miracle. We're trusting you for your presence. In that powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And wherever you are, agree by saying amen.